0: Hi, and thank you for joining me here today. We've actually released two episodes of The Chattering Hour today. The first was with the great Malcolm McDowell, and now I'm going to be chatting with the lovely Kathleen Kinmond. Kathleen's had a long and successful career spanning something like 40 years, and if you count her appearance as a baby on The Joey Bishop Show, then it's... But a gentleman would never reveal a lady's age. You know, genre fans are going to know her best for her appearance in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, and in Bride of Reanimator. She's also got an autobiography, which was published recently. So we're going to be talking about that, Halloween, and Bride of Reanimator, and so much more right after this. (music) Okay, so Kathleen played Kelly Meeker in Halloween four, The Return of Michael Myers, and the Bride in Bride of Reanimator. She's also recently published her autobiography, I Should Have Been Nicer to Quentin Tarantino and other stories of Epic Fails and Saves. So let's talk about all this wonderful stuff. thank you for joining me today. I mean and I'm going to ask you to begin with. You've played some incredibly memorable roles in the genre. Um, I'm curious if you're a fan of horror, and if so, what is your favorite?
1: You know, I, it's a great question because I, I appreciate the genre so much, but I'm a very sensitive creature to creatures, <laughs> And I, I, I'm already, I I already pushed myself in so many places in my life that scare me. And being uh, encouraged to feel fear is not always on my radar. Um, But I, I love the genre. I appreciate the fans so much. And I love the artistry that's involved and the, the intense filmmaking of making a, a, Horror film, so with that, I mean, like, I definitely, I'm the perfect candidate to go to any horror film because I'm just like crawling out of my skin and t- crawling to back of the seat and trying to crawl into the popcorn and yeah, I just
0: you grab onto people.
1: I do. I scream all the time. I mean, I was watching Cobra Kai with my daughter last night and we watched the final uh, of the. To the second season and right. i was screaming all the way through it watching these kids beat each other up <laughs> so she was like mommy quiet I'm like i can't take it so any kind of real i don't even really like watching america's funniest videos because it's all about people falling down and hurting themselves so i'm just probably what's what makes me you know an actor that that can show fear because i'm very very sensitive to it
0: so right right well yeah. I, i'm just you know i'm the same I, really? you know, I remember, yeah absolutely i remember when i was um i mean around the time i was making hellraiser um i was working at an art center and they were screening it must have been earlier than that because it was nightmare on elm street and that was way before hellraiser but anyway they were screening nightmare on elm street And I said, it's fine, I'll go in. There was only a girl who was able to do the ushering. And she said, I'm too scared to do it. And I just spent the whole of that movie going, I can't watch it, I can't hold it onto her. (laughs) It's just such a watch.
1: I'm completely with you. And it's so funny because people think that because you're in scary movies that you must indulge in the genre. And it's really quite the opposite for me and and for quite a few other people I know that that are in horror films and have a huge fan base for that we're just we're scaring cats yes. that's why it yeah. looks so good when we're running away and screaming <laughs> <For> real <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 yeah you can't see it yeah yeah unfortunately mostly I was playing yeah I was playing the monster I wasn't playing the victim yeah. <laughs> not yet actually played the victim as such. That'd be kind of interesting challenge. It'd be really cool to play the, you know, to play. being. You know, though,
1: you're, I think you're onto something to have a film where all the people that have played the aggressor get to switch roles and see what it looks like to have, you know, Freddie, you know, run for his life from somebody from like yes. a kid yeah. <laughs> with a knife.
0: Robert would do that so well. Mr. England would do that incredibly. He's very good. Anyway, so let's move on to Halloween 4. Your character, Kelly Meeker, has such a great opening line to introduce her. Please tell me about that scene.
1: Well, it was not scripted. The fuck off Wade was not uh, in the script. It was get lost, Wade. And that's you know powerful that pretty much says it but once we had that uh in the film can dwight little the director came up to me and he said hey you know for shits and giggles we don't really you know it's a it's probably gonna be an r-rated film or pg-13 but we get we get to use the f word once and uh why don't why don't we give it a shot right now? he said Fuck off. So after about five minutes of gathering myself because I thought it was so hilarious and uh, you can't do it and be smiling because then you're, you know, you're in on the joke and it just needed to be very direct. So I did it once and it made the film and it's quintessentially with the thing that I write more on any uh photo i've i've written it on people's arms and they've gotten it tattooed um it's just one of those you know before he can even take a breath to like it's just, just such an annihilator
0: <laughs> it's such and his reaction is so good it's, i think the way that whole thing is built up it's a really really lovely moment in and it's a really lovely moment in the film
1: really nice introduction to the character right
0: yeah yeah, I battened her too. I mean,
1: that <laughs> didn't put Target on my chest right away. <laughs> Might as well just put a bullseye, right? It, like right where he puts the riot gun.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So in terms of thinking about the um, Halloween franchise um, more generally, after Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance became more the central focus of the films, oh. Did you actually get to meet Donald Pleasance or work with him at all?
1: I did. We saw each other on the set quite a few times. And I knew he was a classically trained, brilliant actor that already came with such a resume and so much respect. And, you know, and and being in the original. And it was like, it was a huge plus for us. And I think we were all... Slightly intimidated, although we were such young kids, we didn't really know what franchise meant or, or other than the first Halloween was really great. And let's make this one really great too. And uh, he, he was so kind and uh, welcoming and I spoke to him about acting a bit. And he was just always just really kind of warm and toasty. Thanks to the red cup that was always on the set.
0: <laughs> red cup.
1: Well, you know the solo red cup. The uh, the the uh, you know I've got might have a little bit of Jameson in this cup right. of tea. Oh yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. That
1: kind of red cup, and it was fine. We were working nights, and you know we never waited for him or anything, but. It was something that kept him lubricated and loose and yeah. enjoying all the kids on the set, I'm sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it wasn't Hamlet, but it was. No.
0: You know? well, I love the idea of you know, Donald Pleasant' being warm and cuddly because he, I don't think I ever saw him play that character at all. He always played somebody just slightly sinister. Um, I mean, he's you know. My first memory of him was probably as Blofeld in the Bond movie. Oh, yeah. um, but I've seen him in horror movies. I you know, he's just got that wonderful presence about him. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but they nice. should
1: call him Donald Presence. <laughs> <laughs> he really does, and he did, and he, and th- there is a there was something sinister about him. But I think that he knew that really well, and that he didn't. Use that in a way off the set, you know. It was like he knew he was surrounded by young kids that were like, "Wow, what's it like to really be an actor?" You know. And I think that he was he was kind and welcoming to all of us, and he didn't use his uh, his power that way. And it, it made it like he was a, he was a team player. So. Right. Whenever you're on the set, it's like, there's nobody that's better than anybody else. There might be people that have a longer resume, but you're on there in, in a playing field. So he knew that, he knew mm. that too. Um, I mean, he, he could have easily annihilated any of us if, if he wanted to, we were just kids. And he, he was kind, I have to say.
0: That's yeah. nice to hear. Now, <laughs> I have to say you're, your death in Halloween Four. I was doing some Googling and discovered that it's number five in the top ten silliest horror movie deaths.
1: Really? <laughs> yeah. I made the top ten. <laughs> top <laughs> five. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> top
0: five. Top five. Number five in the top. <laughs> I think it's just wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Things to
1: aspire so, to in life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for those people who haven't seen it, um, and it's horror I don't think this is really spoilers because it's a horror movie. People die. Um
1: <laughs> what do you remember? About? For that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What do you remember about the filming this? Because basically, well, perhaps you should describe how Kelly meets her demise.
1: Kelly meets her demise. Uh in in her own home, and she has already been uh, aware that something horrible is going on because the whole, her dad is gone, the sheriff, and, and the whole town has turned basically into a lynch mob. And uh, she's at home with the deputy who's there to protect her and bringing him some uh, coffee some, and, and finds him dead. And that is just as freaky as can possibly be before she even really has a chance to react and scream. uh, Michael Myers comes out of nowhere and impales me with a sawed off shotgun into a door right into my torso. And the filming of that was uh, pretty technical and they, because my feet needed to be dangling they took a bicycle seat and mounted it onto the door and they drilled a hole in the back of the door and put a harness on me that had a wire on it that went through the door so that when he actually, you know, um, puts impales me, they pull me back with the wire and and I'm sitting on the bicycle seat, so it it was really like the perfect gag of. It just looks so real, you know. Mm. Like, how do you do that? Well, they did it. They had me all harnessed up, and it was uncomfortable, but it was effective. And I right. think, um, I think what really sells that moment is just the look of surprise on my face. Like I could I can't believe what's happening. How is it? You know, it was it was that moment of just pure fear shock. <laughs> it's like when you turn around when you're at the beach and you're like taking a picture and all of a sudden you turn around and a huge wave coming. It's <laughs> <just> like ah! <laughs> So it was, yes, I think that was probably one of the coolest uh death scenes I've ever seen too. So yeah. I'm excited that it made it into the top five out of the top ten.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: proud. <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> okay be so proud of well,
0: yourself. Yeah, but I'm making a top ten of anything is and I think the top ten silliest is just shows what you know how over the top and great it is because I have that imagination, the vision of a shotgun brilliant it is a perfect moment it's an absolutely perfect moment so after you did that a few years later you came to do reanimator or bride of reanimator sorry the bride of reanimator what so you weren't totally put off the the process of uh, filming horror films what was the audition process like for bride of reanimator
1: it was extremely physical, and uh, in a physical way that um, required a lot of brain power and and just freedom. So fortunately, I had really been in some great acting classes at that time, and working with wonderful coaches who just really encouraged going for it, and that was. I just remember hearing one of my coaches, Jack Luccarelli, just saying, just go for it. Just go as far out there as you can. They can always reel it in. But it's harder for people to get to that place than it is. It's easier to, to come down than it is to constantly be trying to push somebody into being more free. You know, that's a that that's something that you just have to practice and get over yourself and not worry about what it's going to look like or what people are going to say you just have to get into that mental space of I don't care. And this is my truth. So, given the fact that she was an assemblage of so many body parts. Um, and the heart of a the dead girlfriend. So that internal organ was kind of like where it, where I started. So I just remember being very um like an octopus in a way like if you if you were an octopus that had that didn't have command of all of your tentacles and like you're seeing something moving and you're like, "Well, wait a minute. I don't really have control over that." It was just like the spinal cord got ripped and yeah, I, I spent a lot of time in my own anatomy. And I, I think maybe it showed. I, I don't know. And the vulnerability it's, of the pain of, of all Yeah.
0: And, and so you were doing all this during workshops with the director or just... Um,
1: the, the process was, I believe, three auditions. One general audition, which had the dialogue. And then the other two were really just working with the director, doing physicality. And by the third one, I had it. And uh, so they called me and said, you got the part. You, would you like to and get the script and get a copy of the reanimator? So we have one on VHS. And for people who don't know what VHS is, it's a tape. <laughs> there, <laughs> it's really, there will be it's people, a yes. tape and so I came home I popped that thing in the machine and I just went oh my god what have I gotten myself into <laughs> and then I read the script and I was like ah, ah but it was like everything that they had on the page became a hundred times more amazing when we I actually saw the film there was so much imagination put into that, Uh, not into just my character, which the K&B effects group created so lovingly, but everybody else, Screaming Mad George, I mean, there was just so much artistry and creativity involved in that. And I was, I'm really proud to be a part of that as well. Yeah,
0: it's it's extraordinary, and I, I love the animation, and the. it's just, again, it's what we were referring to earlier on in Halloween 4, it's the imagination that I think you really appreciate, it's like, you've got the crawling finger creatures that walk over the back of the set, and it's, it's like... Because your man just keeps on creating, just seeing what he can reanimate and what little creatures he can—it's brilliant. It's absolutely superb.
1: But, There's a lot of humor in that. But, yeah, which is is great. I that that I really loved because it was so over the top, but yet it still really had a heart. It still mm. had this truth factor with the relationship between dan and dr west and dan and meg's dead heart and dr west and the bride i mean it was like this love triangle almost like a quadrant because meg's heart was a part of it so there was a whole other person involved that was never there just that essence so it's pretty interesting script
0: (laughs) i'm sure yes yes i think it's always fascinating to see the scripts and then see the final film and see, you know, actually see the shooting script and then see what actually, what ends up on screen um, afterwards. It was great. So going back to the actual process of creating, how many body casts did you have to go through?
1: Well, it was a lot of different um, parts because, because they had to do my hands, they had to do my feet, they had to do, my legs, my torso and my head in a few different, uh, like a resting with my eyes closed and then um, the scream. And then another one where my head was tilted back in a scream. So I, the whole, it took a whole day. Every cast took about 15 minutes. And the the one that, of course, I remember the most was the one where I had to hold my head back for like fifteen minutes with my uh, mouth open and <laughs> so glamorous.
0: <laughs> but so they just sculpted the plaster around your face. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I had eye coverings. I had um. I had straws a couple times. But you know, it was. It was it was that day where they the guys just talked me through it all the way and just told me like you're gonna be so great in this you're so cool you're so fun and I was like oh God they're really setting the bar for me to be a happy person throughout this I, I was like oh I hope I am <laughs> the end of it I can tell you guys are setting me up for some real grueling experience you're like here's just the best you're gonna we're gonna have so much fun and I was like okay sure but we did we really did and I love those guys Robert Bob Greg really fabulous people that that know their craft and never a minute was wasted on anything they just get there and they do their thing and I always felt like I was really protected um, and and and, I think it shows I think that that the the performance was like I was in it, and um, I know you know this too that as an actor, once you get your costume on, you have the character really tactile mm. and it it makes such a difference, and I mean, by the time I stepped on that set in that bride of reanimator costume, I was a monster um and I was. I was outside of my body for quite a bit of it. But inside it, like so deep inside it that it wasn't, I was no longer Kathleen. I was definitely, and it's not that I'm a a real method actor, but I think that that is part of the method. And uh, after six hours of prep, you better be the character. No turning back, in
0: other yeah. words. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I thought, uh, listening to you just then, I think it's something that really comes across how much they really supported you through that whole process of the makeup casts and so on, because I think that's really important for an actor, particularly for an actor who's having this process done for the first time, that yeah. you, you need confidence because it's scary. I mean, it is actually scary having your face covered in plaster mm-hmm. and bits of you and so on. And if you've never had it done, then you don't know what to expect. I mean, the guys who are doing it have probably done it many times before, but for you it's the first time, and it can be really. I remember it was one of the guys on Hellraiser just couldn't deal with it. Mm. Um, and he just said, "No, I've got to get this off. Got to get this off because he just became completely claustrophobic um, underneath it." And I, I get that. I mean, I was lucky; it didn't worry me. Um, but I completely understand um, why people. Well, do when
1: it. your epidermis, your skin, breathes, mm. and when you cut off. And your epidermis is the biggest organ on your body, really. And when you cut off that breathing, it's like you're drowning. And so you have to find other places to breathe. Like I remember (laughs) at one point, I do really remember this. At one point, where the head casts were being done, I was like, "I'm just going to breathe out of my ear holes." (laughs) Just saying that to myself, I can breathe. There's a hole. It's going in, it's coming out. It's going. <laughs> you do, you have to have some real mind control. Yeah. And the mindset also of trusting who you're working with. Yeah. And knowing that they know that you're going through something that's that's a sensitive situation and yeah, you just have to put yourself on a beach in Tahiti or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go somewhere else. yeah yeah sorry I, there's a I, I don't know if that's an unintentional reference to um Phil Coulson and Agents of Shield um that's another story entirely <laughs> <laughs> um the shield uh, agents of shield fans will know what I'm talking about um <laughs> yeah. one of the moments i i liked particularly uh in your performance was when you you first see um the Bride Stand Up, it was very reminiscent of Elf, Elsa Lanchester in The Bride of Frankenstein. Had you watched
1: Bride of Frankenstein, the
0: original black and white movie?
1: I I didn't actually sit down and study it. I, I did remember certain motions that she did, just because that is such an iconic piece of film footage, you know, where she just like, You know, that kind of of static movement. And uh, so that that was always in my brain because I'd seen that when I was a kid. You see that piece of film footage throughout your life at any given moment. But I really wanted it to be my own. I didn't Mm. want to copy anybody else. But because that's just, that was what the director wanted too. He wanted that jerky motion and... uh, So I was completely down with it, it made sense. Yeah, And we weren't trying to um, recreate what she had done, but it certainly was a great uh, blueprint and yes.
0: Yeah, well I I thought what you said earlier on about an octopus who's lost control of their tentacles Uh and is trying to relearn that body. Right. Or, you know, learn this sorry, not relearn really in this case, but learn a completely new body. Uh-huh. Um, is extraordinary, I know, and uh, I find it you know, I do find it fascinating okay. that you get to a similar result, but because you have your own truth, that's why it's effective. If you, if I think if somebody just said, do Elsa well, Lanchester, then it doesn't work, it becomes in danger of becoming parody,
1: actor. An actor's job is to create a believable character formulated from their own personal truth. You don't create a believable character based on somebody else's own personal truth. It ha- you have to bring something that is so personal at- to you. Now you have, now you're really speaking a truth, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise you're just doing an idea and ideas we can tell, um, now that, that we've been experiencing so much quarantine and we've all been watching so many things, we're all basically now critics. So right. we can, we have, it's a savvy audience. It, yeah. No one's gonna, no nobody can fake out the audience anymore, I think, and especially because we have so many great artists out there. The acting in television is equally as amazing in film. I don't think that there's any, there's really, you know, it it can be a lower budget production, but you can still have great performances from people that come in and really know what they're doing and and care. So there are, to me, there are no small parts. There is only minimal effort. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So I want to move I to jump into your book, your wonderful book, which I really enjoyed reading
1: I, this is right the one
0: <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> did find it so entertaining now, how did you come up with this fabulous title? because clearly Quentin Tarantino was involved somehow.
1: Oh yes, well it did actually. Ten years ago, in January of 2010, I got to go to the DGA Awards with Tanya McKiernan, who is Stephen Cannell's daughter, and she's a director. She started on Renegade and uh, as a first AD and worked her way into becoming a really fabulous television director. And so she invited me, and that was the year that Quentin was nominated for Inglorious Bastards. And he was in my very first acting class when I was 16. And I didn't, you know, he was just a 19 year old kid uh, or 18, I think he's just a couple years older than me. And like another teenager in the class and he was in the back writing whatever he was writing, probably Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, I don't know but he had told my acting coach that he or he'd said to me that he really wanted to do a scene with me but it and it was going to be involving kissing and I was like oh god you know I'm still trying to figure out how to play a messed up teenager you know with like parents and getting on stage with recognizable adult actors that and this is a real acting class this wasn't at school this was a grown-up class that I was a part of and I was just way beyond intimidated and nervous as can be and I just was like told the teacher the coach I said under no certain circumstances put me in a scene with that guy he's really frenetic I don't think I used that word because I didn't know what it was then but (laughs) it was just like (laughs) I was just not ready for that and so probably got back to him and he was probably felt rejected and when I saw when I was watching the trailers at the DJ awards and they they do long trailers because like it's the director so let's like really play it out so like a seven minute trailer and I leaned over to Tanya and I said I'm going to have to write a book, call it, I Should Have Been Nicer, Quentin Tarantino. And she's like, oh, my God, you have to do it. I said, what, write the book? She goes, no, you have to go tell him that before we leave tonight. So I said, okay, well, if he doesn't win, I'll go up to him and tell him that. So he didn't win. Catherine Bigelow won for the Hurt Locker. And he's down there with, you know, Brad and Angie and Christoph Waltz and all those guys and they're all talking and I just kind of made my way over and he's like, Oh my God, Kathleen, because he, I'm sure he's followed my career. He works with Effects group all the time. And, uh, and we know the same people. So I I come up to him and I say, I just want to say congratulations on your life, Quentin. Your life has been so wonderful and amazing to watch, and your films are fabulous. And I just want you to know that I've decided that I'm going to write a book called I Should Have Been Nicer to Quentin Tarantino. And he just went, ha, 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 ha. And I thought, hmm, if I can make Quentin Tarantino laugh, um, chances are I might be able to make somebody else laugh too. and. I, I percolated on it for a couple of years. I didn't really do anything, and then I started thinking, well, because I was told, I, I, I threw it out there a couple of times, and people were like, that's a really great title. And then when I when I started realizing what that was about, what it's like, it it's an epic fail of my life that I learned a lesson, and maybe this can be the premise of how I write the book about my life instead of. Like, oh, and then I did this amazing thing, and then I did that wonderful. You know, it's like, how about do something that we can all really relate to and actually find entertaining, which is other short stories of epic fails and saves. And, and that's what our life really is about. Our life is about making mistakes and having the fortitude to either do it better the next time learn a lesson give someone you know hey <laughs> you may not want to do that cuz i did that and it didn't really work out for me and i can tell you my version of it but it's not like i'm some sage teacher or anything it's really just about sharing uh and 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 doing it with my truth and my humor and letting those two things collide, I think are, are pretty uh, interesting and entertaining. And mm. as you know, as an actor, our job is to entertain, enlighten, inspire. This is our responsibility. And if we're not doing those things, then what's the point? So I thought, well, this is something that I can have for my daughter. And she can know about my career, my experience, my stories of when I was a kid, you know, growing up in the business. And then I realized this is actually really for me. So it's been, it's been a cathartic experience. I'm I'm truly, really proud of myself that I finished. And to be able to release it during this particular moment in history, Has been even more profound because we have to keep producing. We have to keep creating. We can't just sit around and go, well, you know what I can't do a book tour and I can't go on TV shows and I can't do It's like just do it. That stuff will happen eventually. I also I wrote a children's book called magic and beauty that I also released this year at the beginning of the year, January 2010 2020 Hey, what year are we in?
0: That's <laughs> right. You were just going back to that channeling of that moment with Quentin Tarantino at the awards when you, when this whole thing kicked off in 2010. How how has the reception been for the, uh, the kids' book? You said it came out in January.
1: Oh, the children's book has been great. Yes, people love it. Um, the kids really love it. It's it's my uh, creation story because we should all take a stab at it because nobody owns the rights. (laughs) I'm not gonna get sued to how the world was created. Um, my, My daughter at the time, she was four years old and she asked where did all this stuff come from? And I said, well, I'm pretty sure I think it's all from God, I guess. That's what I've heard. And she said, wow, that's a lot of work. She must have been really sweaty. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah she was sweating like a horse <laughs> so my daughter who's horse crazy i thought hey, what a great way to to pay homage to this beautiful planet that we live in with all the colors and all the beauty and all the magic that was that it's created in and have a have a be- have it done by a unicorn named magic and a pegasus named beauty and basically Beauty has needs, doesn't she always? She's thirsty. She's hungry. This is a children's, well,
0: b- <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, thirsty. Okay, fine. <laughs>
1: she wants to go swimming. She wants to eat something sweet and crunchy. So Magic, with his magic powerful unicorn, gets inspired by Beauty, which we all are. And he just, you know, starts creating stuff for her. And it's, it's a really, I'm very proud of this.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool, all right, well, that's two. We'll come back to those two books a little bit later on, but actually, going back to, um, I I should have been kinder to Twet. Now I can't even say it. (laughs) Kinder to Quentin. Kinder to Quentin. (laughs) (laughs) That's great warm up. I like that one, kinder to Quentin. Um, You mentioned in the book that you.
1: Quentin Tarantino. Sorry, I was talking over you. That's probably what always freezes it. That's the, It is.
0: That's Oddly weird. enough, that's exactly what it did. <laughs> I, there were a couple of moments um, that I'd like to pick out of the book. You, and I think this is incredibly brave, um, you wrote and directed a short film starring your mother, Abby Dalton, um, called Mrs. Sweeney. And yeah. perhaps for not everyone We'll know your mum's career, um, but which showed was your mum well known for being in?
1: Well, in a, later in her career, she was most well known for Falcon Crest, and uh, earlier in her career, she played opposite Jackie Cooper in Hennessy back in the 60s before I was born or early 60s. Um, Play Julia Bibbs on the Joey Bishop show and that was actually the show I was born on and right. I was on TV first day really I, and then they cancelled the show so I basically got my SAG card and my unemployment card on the same day <laughs> welcome to the business kid you're cancelled <laughs> so and, this is the
0: Joey Bishop show
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then after that she went on to play Jonathan Winter's wife on the Jonathan Winter's show and she was nominated for an Emmy for Hennessey. Um, she had a really wonderful career. She worked on so many shows and she had an incredible stage career. She did multiple dinner theater um, across the country. That that was really, I think her real love was live. I think she loved being on stage and getting that, that uh, that warmth from the audience, that immediate gratification. Right. And she just loved the theater. She loved the people in the theater and the creating of the character. But um, Mrs. Sweeney was written, it was supposed to be a trilogy piece. I had just done uh, a half hour uh, short for Danielle Harris um, called Prank. And it was going to be uh, three female directors or three female actors that were like scream queens and then putting them into the driver's seat as a director. And um, the first one got made. And then so I wrote Mrs. Sweeney with my brother, Matt, and it was based on this horrible thing we used to do to the neighbor across the street who was really mean. She was, she was not a very nice lady. And I remember we were super young kids. So we would do kind of like pranks to her. Uh, It only lasted for like a week, I think, but we got into some serious trouble. So I thought, okay, well, there's something pretty fascinating about seeing an older person get picked on and then turn the tables on those kids because elder abuse is definitely a thing mm-hmm. and bullying mm-hmm. is obviously a big thing too. So I thought, why don't we just bring both of those together. And my mom was so more than happy and willing to play that title character. <laughs> <She> was, <laughs> And she was practicing all the time. I was like, Mom. We got at least a good two months before we're going to be shooting this thing. You can you can tone Mrs. Sweeney down in the house a little bit because she was, you know, always like, ready to pounce.
0: <laughs> what was your favorite moment from the filming?
1: My favorite moment was when she comes into her yard and she sees what these shitty little kids have done to her yard. They've cut all the roses off of her rose bush, they've dug holes in her yard, they've turned the water on, and it's just running down the stairs. And I hired all these really fabulous kids, five kids. Um, that five actors and all young actors that all got nominated for young artist awards from that film. And that day, it was actually her first day filming. And when she came in and she's walking her dog and the look of despair and shock and anger on her face and all the kids were watching her do this and they were just like, whoa. You know, I could, it it was like a Donald Pleasance moment, quite honestly. It was like they knew that they were in the midst of this 80-year-old woman who has a long career, illustrious resume of fine work, and that she gave it her all for that show. And they were just like, this is going to be good. I'm actually going to, I'm going to put the film up on my website so that people can see it because she's now 87 and you know, I mm. I'm in the golden moments with her right now. And it's, she's, she's so worthy of the appreciation and I don't know that she would, you know, she just might feel it energetically of people watching. and
0: Right right
1: appreciating what
0: she's done yeah now another strong woman in the book um is esther williams
1: yes.
0: <laughs> which and i grew up knowing esther williams films because they used to screen them on bbc television um wow. sunday afternoons uh we used to watch Esther and just like, be amazed by this woman who swam and was a star um yeah. But you, that you tell a lovely story in the book, which I'd like you to repeat for me, please, about what happened when she went to a country club to receive an award.
1: <laughs> she went to the L.A. Country Club because let's just call it out because that place, it yeah, it was it was ready to be, to be uh, to be called out. Um, right. She she had. Esther Williams, MGM star, icon, nobody else had her career. She was the only person that did her own stunt. Nobody else could really do, quite honestly. I don't know that they could find somebody of her stature, I meaning she was five foot eight, in incredible shape, filled out a bathing suit, and was a national champion swimmer. Right.
0: So, right. It,
1: you really—that's that, a lot of time in the pool, and a, I don't know that anybody else um, had, you know, that that kind of experience with with the ability of being that fast and that great. So she's being honored at the L.A. Country Club for her lifetime of achievements. She arrives in this gorgeous pantsuit um, with, you know, Japanese brocade jacket from Oscar de la Renta. I mean, she had great style. And, you know, once you're past 65, you want to, you know, you don't have to show your legs if you don't want to. And nobody gave her the the, uh, heads up on a dress code. But when she got there, the staff was like, oh, God, you know, she's wearing pants. And they came up to her and said, you know, we don't do pants here on women, but we do have a skirt that's, you know, down here in this bottom of this barrel that they pulled out. It was just a bald, you know, pilled wrinkled black skirt from the employee section. And she like looked at it and went, okay, you know what? You just take this skirt and I will go find the microphone and I will let you know what's gonna happen next. So (laughs) she said to her husband, Edward Bell, go get the car ready. And uh, she found her way up to the podium and hello everyone, I'm Esther Williams, and huge applause. And uh, I am your recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award tonight, another bigger applause. And she said, and I've just been informed by your illustrious staff, that I am not in the proper dress code. So I would just like to say thank you so much for having me, but I will be departing now. And everyone was like, oh, no. She just put the microphone down and waltzed out and in the car got the LA Times on the phone and just lambasted them. Here's the thing. If you have a dress code, let your guests know before they arrive. Yeah. Way before. And uh, yeah. And don't ever ask the mermaid to change her clothes. (laughs) If you're going
0: to have it, actually don't have such a ridiculous dress code. Um, how, How long ago was this?
1: I would say maybe 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, it puts us at the end of the last century. I mean,
1: exactly. 1990s. The I know. It just it, it was such a a lame maneuver, and I'm sure that it changed that country club. Forever. Yeah, yeah. I, the Mermaid Queen just freaking, you know drowned you. <laughs>
0: Oh, extraordinary. Ballsy, yes. Very ballsy. It's a wonderful book, which I really enjoyed um, uh, reading. Um, And one of the lessons I learned from it was your footnote about Namaste. Um, And I recognize the divine in you as you recognize the divine in me. I'd never heard of that before. Um, So thank you for that. (laughs)
1: you're welcome thank you for for latching on to that because it is it's a it's a phrase that's used a lot and people will naturally just say it at the end of a yoga class and that was really probably the first time i ever heard it used and my one of my first yoga teachers explained that this is why we say that because we do need to recognize the divine mm. in each other and know that you're recognizing it in me too so it's a it's a beautiful symbiotic expression of we are in this together we are one just through our connection and yeah,
0: yeah. so um drawing to the end and before i ask you some questions about which i refer to as the luggage in the crypt i just like to know <laughs> what's coming up for you, what what's Anything happening in the future for you?
1: There is. Yes, actually. I'm working with uh, Laureen Price, Michael Broderick, Garrett Wang, uh, Grace Byers, Monty Markham, uh, Carmen Moreno. All of these really wonderful actors on a web series called Phoenix. And we will be starting back filming that very soon. Um, We shot two episodes last year and they've gotten it's gotten picked up oh that's brilliant to shoot the whole web series so yeah i'm excited it's it's a lot of badass women and i'm i'm not even sure if i'm a good character or bad character i don't know if i'm a good guy or bad guy all i know is i have an agenda right whatever the agenda is will define you know if i'm good or bad i still don't know but it's wonderfully written by um brian uh, lambert and he's uh he's the director as well and uh he, he's it's really cool i'm excited about it it's got all all of the topics that are pretty prevalent right now sex trafficking right, right. um espionage corporate takeover just kind of all the things that are pretty high on the list these days where you're like well those are there's some stuff that's going on that that maybe you know the the un, the, the uh the, the heroes aren't always doing heroic things you know sometimes you have to do bad things to be the hero you have to play dirty ah. when you're playing bad guys
0: interesting interesting yeah. okay <laughs> so i'd like to end uh we're coming to the end now so i'd just like to ask you um my luggage in the quick Crypt questions. Yes. Um, which basically, what will you take? What would you like to take with you into the afterlife? So let's start with what film would you like to take?
1: Okay. The film I would like to take would be The Wizard of Oz. Oh, cool. I love The Wizard of Oz. Yes, it's a um, black and white and color. It's got flying monkeys and a wicked witch that scared me to death when i was a child and i feel like after i've watched it a hundred times i think i can take it now and it's got music and it's got uh pain of 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 home and and missing home and i think that we we all get homesick and we can even be homesick when or just missing things when we're even at home and Mm. Yeah, you know, home is where the heart is and home is where your friends are. It doesn't always have to be family. It's just it's it's the place where you feel safe and appreciated. Yeah. And I think that it had all those messages there. And I mean, come on, and the, the makeup and the characters and and I love it.
0: costumes and yeah.
1: Yes. And you got to see the people before they became the cowardly lion and the scarecrow and the tin man and, and that they were real people and, you know, things that happen in our dreamscape are feel so real. And yeah, it just had all the elements of pure entertainment for me.
0: Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Good choice. Book. Oh. <laughs> books. Can okay. I we'll let you have both? two books. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This one
0: and this one. <laughs> Seems fair Something enough. reading.
1: I have two eyes, so I might as well have two Yeah, boxes. no,
0: absolutely. You can swap. <laughs> you can, yeah,
1: yeah. You know,
0: fair enough. Absolutely. What about a musical? Oh, <laughs> obviously we'll give you the mug. The um, mug. Yes. What about a musical album?
1: Oh, um, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Every single song, right?
0: yeah yeah. So, yeah I was yeah. just watching there's um in, I don't know if it's in over there i pr- probably i think it's on amazon prime um they've got a documentary on the making wow. of the album, which wow. I just started watching last night because I've been listening to it on um prime music recently I love the album it's great wow. it, yeah
1: there's a documentary on the making of the. Yeah yeah on amazon i'm watching yeah. it I'm watching
0: yeah it today. pretty certain it's amazon um okay but i'll find it album cuts or so- something like that i if i can find the link to it i'll send it across to you It's
1: and it's, all the all the pho- photography is black and white which yes I, I love and they kind of place it on this tinted background yes and yeah i mean Mick Fleetwood, Lindsay Buckingham, I mean, Lindsay Buckingham back in those days was just like, whoa.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. yes, and Stevie Nicks, and I mean, just everybody, the whole band is just, and the music.
0: Okay, yeah. good choice. Favorite food?
1: Indian food, curry, anything with curry. I'm, I think I was probably born on the Ganges in several <laughs> lifetimes. <laughs> and yes i love curry i i could eat it all the time
0: you know, as, as we're recording it's nearly my dinner time and i can smell curry floating up through the <laughs> oh, drifting. and kid you not kid you not um i know it's curry this evening um reminds me gosh yeah my father used to make curry every friday every monday evening because mom used to work oh. on monday evenings my father proper english curry i.e it had potatoes. A boiled egg and sultanas in it um, and the, the curry powder and wow. uh, taste of my childhood yeah I love curry
1: and isn't that interesting about England is that it's one of the greatest places to get Indian food on the planet
0: right well yeah because well, yeah, we had a Raj really <laughs> you had a Raj we had a Raj yeah we had an empire we had Queen Victoria right india was the yeah. jewel jewel in the crown it all goes back to that yeah a lot of it was an expat
1: on a spicy level how do you like your curry
0: well a, i can't take really spicy food it makes my bald it makes my bald head itch which is, cracks Ooh. my husband up every time <laughs> it happens um but yeah he can always tell if it's too hot cuz i'll start scratching my head <laughs> So what about that you? be the
1: name of a spice, head scratching spice. Head
0: scratching spice. What about you? What are you?
1: I'm probably in the middle of the road. I, I like the flavors. I don't like it to be the spice to be so overpowering that my mouth is on fire and I just need to like drink yogurt to try and yeah. make it cool off. So on a scale of one to five, I'd be about a three. Okay. Two to three, yeah, because you know you don't want to hurt yourself.
0: No. <laughs> I think I'm the one, occasionally, or two,
1: it's just, yeah,
0: yeah. What about a luxury to take with you?
1: Oh, oh, that's easy. Um, I would bring this. (laughs) Lavender oak vineyard wine. It's my cousin's wine. Oh. Delicious. Red wine.
0: Say the name again for me, please.
1: Lavender Oak Vineyard, it's L-O-V Yes, L-O-V wines, W-I-N-E-S. Maybe oh. we can put that underneath as a ticker tape.
0: Yes, we, we, we will do that. I'll make sure and I've got L-O-V-wine. all that information.
1: Yes, I would bring wine as a luxury because it is. It's not just for breakfast, guys. oh my god i do have to say that like one of the funniest one of the funniest things i saw during uh at the very beginning of the uh quarantine Uh was a, a a british actress who did this funny youtube thing and she had her glass of wine and she could see this guy jogging um and she's like are you all right who are you running from? It's seven thirty in the morning. <laughs> are you going to be okay? Is something wrong? You know, he jogging. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it wow. took us. That's hilarious. Yeah,
0: it took us all in strange ways. Okay, definitely give <laughs> you the wine.
1: Oh my yeah. god! What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Is this somebody hurt that's what happens when I start drinking wine and I just immediately go into a British accent Uh, well yeah it takes everyone differently
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah, I understand that me Americans yeah 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 um Kathleen thank you so much for joining me today now and sharing some of your adventures now where can people purchase your books
1: thank you Nick I'm uh my book Both of them are on my website, KathleenKinmont.com, but they are also available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kindle. I am uh, four chapters away from completing the Audible version of I Should Have Been Nicer to Quentin Tarantino and other short stories of Epic Fails and Saves. So that will be released October 1st. Oh, wow. So, yes, I'm reading my own book and
0: that's great oh my
1: gosh yeah i'm having a ball with that because i'm producing it myself so i can do whatever i want there's no sure. there's no rules so i've added this different little sound effects and things to just make it even that much more enjoyable and entertaining and so quite it's totally good.
0: totally authentic totally authentic
1: it, it, yeah yeah i mean <laughs> me reading my own stories of my own f-ups and my own lessons and there is there were i I have to say it performance wise it's taken me to a whole nother level um i have such huge respect for people that that do this for a living read Mm. books and it's it's quite an intense project because any anyone who does uh voiceover you're always working with just a little bit of copy I mean, yeah. this is like, this is a real book that's thick, you know? So yeah. this has been two and a half months of work for me. And there were moments, I have to say, where I was like, I had to stop and cry. Right. I had to right. stop and really of course, gather myself because <clears throat> A, you don't want to be having the emotion that is meant for somebody else because it's so indulgent. And yet, these were things that really happened to me. So it's hard not to get emotionally mm, mm, involved yeah. at times. And yeah, I've really had to be strong and, right. and dig deep for the most part. It's been a tremendous amount of fun. And I'm laughing. No, I laugh at my own jokes anyway, but I'm trying to, you know, bring some levity to. Uh, the world Um, good
0: good we definitely need that Kathleen thank you so very much please stay safe and stay well
1: thank you Nick I, I wish the same for you be well stay safe
0: that was so much fun Kathleen's book really is a wonderful and personal journey so check that out And Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, returns to drive-ins across the US during October. It's part of a triple bill with Halloween and Halloween 5. See local listings for details. And next week on The Chattering Hour, I'm joined by my very special guest, the pop culture icon, Tracy Lords. We'll spend the hour discussing her incredible career. Until then, stay safe and well. The Chattering Hour is produced by Chris Rowe Management and Tea Time Productions. Producer Chris Rowe with production support from Jared Friedrich and Amanda Rome-West.